0: Welcome to Zero Knowledge. I'm your host, Anna Rose. In this podcast, we will be exploring the latest in zero knowledge research and the decentralized web, as well as new paradigms that promise to change the way we interact and transact online. So welcome back. As some of you may have noticed, there was no episode last week. This is the first episode of 2021, and actually that week off was the first break I took since this podcast started three years ago. And it was pretty good, to be honest. Now, you may have also noticed that the intro is a little bit different. And for anyone who missed the end-of-year podcast that we released two weeks ago, there's been a pretty big change here at the Zero Knowledge Podcast. So Frederick, my long-standing co-host and the other voice you are very used to hearing on the show, will sadly no longer be joining me on the show every week. In the end of your episode, Frederick actually shared why he felt he wanted to leave the show, and so if you want to hear more about that, uh, in his own words, you should listen to that episode. I'll add the link in the show notes, or you can just look at the episode that came before this one. It's been a great run, and I'm super proud of the work we did. And it's sad to see him go. But like all change, this also offers up an opportunity to rethink the podcast and maybe take it in a new direction. So during my time off, I was able to spend time reading and learning about new ideas and get inspired. And I, I feel I've come back more inspired for sure than I felt at the end of 2020. So I think this coming year should actually be an exceptional one. And it's clear that the work we are doing in the field of zero-knowledge and decentralized tech is more relevant and valuable than ever. Enjoy this first episode of the year. My guests are Tarun Shitra, James Prestwich, and Josh Cincinnati. We chat about where we are at in the field of zero-knowledge applications, blockchain, privacy, and DeFi. And we also try to imagine where this could be going in the near future. So hope you enjoy it. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe. Maybe tell a friend who you think might get something out of this. Yeah. So here's my conversation with Tarun, James, and Josh. So today I will be doing a catch-up with some friends you may be familiar with if you are a regular listener to this show. Tarun, James, and Josh are here to kick off the new year and set 2021 on its course. So, you have all been on, but let's do a quick round of intros so that people know who are, who's talking and what you're all about.
1: Sure. Uh it's nice to be back on the podcast. Uh my name is James Prestwich. Uh I'm currently a protocol engineer at Cello. Uh we work on the Cello blockchain, which is a proof of stake chain with a EVM.
2: So I'm I'm Josh Cincinnati. I was previously the executive director of the Zcash Foundation. And prior to that, I was the developer advocate at BlockCypher, a Bitcoin and Ethereum API company. Um, And now I am what I like to call gainfully unemployed. uh, And uh, I'm just doing a bit of advising and some fun stuff on the side. And I've just had my ear to the ground with all things cryptocurrency for quite a while.
0: Also the co-host of the acclaimed Twadcast, Josh's dumb voice is what it's perhaps called. the
2: <laughs> only one of its kind i don't know that there are other twadcasts. Yes. yes but yeah yeah this is you know this is new for me because i'm used to the 2 minute format <laughs> constraint but well, i'll do my best
0: hopefully there'll be some bangers okay now tarun you have already guest hosted quite often so people should be pretty familiar with you but maybe you want to just say a little hello
3: yeah hey i'm tarun i am a founder of a company called gauntlet we kind of assess economic attacks and economic security in uh, proof-of-stake protocols and also in DeFi protocols. Um, and I also do a little investing on the side with Robot Ventures.
0: Nice. So it's funny, I think Tarun, James, Frederick, and I did do one of these kind of more catch-up-y episodes. Do you remember? This was like Stanford. SBC? Stanford Blockchain mm-hmm. Conference right before it all went down.
3: Man, but do do you guys remember how amazing it was that everyone for who was there from Asia was just like W T F Americans? What are you doing? <laughs> and like everyone at the conference, was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. Man, I was just thinking about that though. That was sort of the last time we had. I I did an episode like this, which was more just kind of casual and catching up with folks. And I think what were we talking about back then? It was the flash loans or something. Yes. Oh my gosh,
2: remember flash loans. <laughs> I do.
0: Well, I feel uh, like they're still kinda happening. They do
2: happen.
3: Yeah, they're huge. They're, yeah, they're they're like a regular part of the ecosystem now. They're, They've just become normal.
1: They they sometimes are used in attacks. We we've seen flash loans really catch on. They're pretty much standard attack vectors now. Mm-hmm. Um uh but we haven't seen flash minting yet. Uh there's a proposal to put it in WETH version ten, but we'll see if that happens
0: what would that mean what's flash minting
1: uh it means that you can not just borrow tokens that exist but create tokens that don't exist as long as you burn them again before the end of the transaction
0: but of a certain type of like an existing token
1: uh as long as the token contract supports it so the idea of putting flash minting in weth is that you could have an infinite amount uh for all intents and purposes of weth for one
0: transaction is that a good?
3: Uh, to add, also, also maker maker actually tried to add this, and um, it, it really it, it for MKR, and it did it did not succeed. I missed that.
0: Wait, it did not succeed in being implemented because of the governance. It did or? not succeed
3: in passing governance. Okay, okay. It's
0: not that it failed <laughs> yeah. on the ground.
3: No, no. The code is out there. Code is out yeah. there. It's in the repo. Yeah.
2: Someone should, if if only they could have minted an infinite number of governance tokens. (laughs) There you go,
0: (laughs) (laughs) for that one transaction
2: of voting.
3: (laughs) Well, that actually also happened, by the way. MKR has just maybe a slight aside has a continuous voting mechanism. So, like, imagine if you put up a proposal that says, "Hey, um, make Anna like queen of Berlin."
0: Who says I'm not already. <laughs> and, <But okay>. basi-
3: <laughs> and basically people, people vote on that. And, uh, you know, anytime the, the, the percentage of the vote flips from like below 50 to above 50, then the answer, let's say it's like 52% no initially, and then it flips to like 45% no, then all of a sudden you will be anointed queen. But if people remove their votes to that proposal... And it falls back down, you lose your queen's ass. So it's like, it's kind of continuous Ah. voting. In
0: order so that like a flash wouldn't work. Like you'd have to keep it up somehow. Although, yeah,
3: although there was a bug that, like, actually someone found a way to do some a flash thing
0: that's so, that sustained they, somehow. at the very
3: last minute. Okay. Yeah, basically they like front run someone and
0: did a flash. Oh, line. at oh. the so. very last minute to get the vote in, because oh. yeah. then you are you're like even though it's been going over, it's not like an average of that time. It's just like whatever it ends yeah. up on. Oh wow.
3: Yeah, so they th- they changed that to have, but uh, anyway, sorry, maybe that's <laughs> a little bit
0: side. Oh, well, this is actually exactly the kind of stuff I want to talk about today. Um. <laughs> There is a little bit of a schedule that you know I, I put together of kind of a, a, a few topics that we can talk about, but um, this is ex- kind of the purpose of this episode. It's it's a bit of a checking in where we're at, maybe talking about some of the things we expect to see. I, I don't want to do a big prediction for the year, but maybe like this quarter and uh, and get some, yeah, some general thoughts about what's up. And also, given that it's a Zero Knowledge podcast, given that there's this changed format, One of my goals is also to start talking about potential topics or ideas that are exciting, things that we could even cover in future episodes in depth. So first is a quick rundown of where we are at. We are currently recording on, what is it, January 9th. What are we, what is going on right now?
2: It's pretty boring, not much, nowhere, nothing, nothing interesting. Oh, well, I mean, I guess other than the botched coup in America and crypto assets exceeding a trillion dollars. But Damn. that's, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is sort of nuts though. I mean, it like, it, it seems like there's uh it, we seem to be at the beginning of, at least from a, you know, pure interest and speculation perspective. Um, it seems like we're in the beginning of another 2017 style run, which may be good or hmm bad depending on your perspective
0: you just said beginning of really
1: when bitcoin in 2016 2017 eclipsed its previous all-time high it went on to just about 10x after that so you know if it follows a similar pattern there's still a 10x in the future that seems pretty pretty crazy to me um i don't think that's actually likely to happen yeah, I, hmm.
2: I would agree, and I guess by beginning of bull run, I don't know that it's going to match that same like that same cycle. I mean, I don't know anything about price to be honest. Yeah, I'm just feel, just purely based off of the kind of um, sentiment and interest that you see from people in and outside of our little niche industry, and in that regard, it does feel like we're still somewhat. Early in this stage, and I don't know if that means. And I very I I agree with James. I think it's very unlikely that Bitcoin's going to breach that insane amount of money this time around. My big interest and focus, I think, for the next quarter is going to be really about what the and and this is again obviously like a U.S. bias from my perspective. But seeing that um, new proposed rule by FinCEN and the incoming administration and how they might approach uh, you know, cryptocurrency regulation differently, uh, is going to be something to watch very closely for the next couple of months. Totally. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's something so far that I haven't covered much on the podcast, but I actually, I'm curious about that a little bit myself. I want to understand a bit more where things are at. Cause I think the last time I really did any in-depth look at that was in 2018 or something. It was quite a while ago. We've just been sort of, you know, rolling along kind of under the radar. And now all of a sudden, yeah, me too. (laughs) I think there is this feeling who I was talking to someone, I was talking to you to room the other day and it was like the bear market was kind of nice. It was like this little, this little crew and we'd see each other at conferences and there was nobody we didn't have the, the random like acquaintance pinging us about what do you think about should i should i buy some bitcoin now or should i like that's a tricky question whenever Little, uh, i get it i'm just like i'm always like no <laughs> like, it's too high
1: <laughs> you, you know how to stop those right what don't have any friends outside of crypto
0: oh that, that's my approach <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I, I,
3: I mean the the best part is is uh the relative ones which are like hey can i like can i like can we can we talk and uh, uh, you tell me how I should invest my crypto asset portfolio? I'm like, no. <laughs> or I tell them, or I tell them random shit coins that are
1: guaranteed to go down.
3: No, I'm like, these are definitely going to go down. So you should you should
1: definitely. <laughs> yeah, but uh, most of those are going to go up first. Yes, but
3: you know, don't 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 tell people about reality. Tell people about the dream.
0: Other than so I think I think to define this moment is a little bit like we're in a moment. It feels you know, there's a change this month than it was three months ago. Even with the DeFi kind of excitement, this is definitely like in a different space. I, I think another interesting thing that's happening right now, though, is there's a lot of projects that I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but a lot of the projects that raised in 2017 came out in the last quarter, in like Q4. And now going into Q1 of 2021, you have, like, (laughs) because some of them launched, but they didn't fully launch. Like, Polkadot launched, but it Mm -hmm. didn't launch parachains. And Cosmos launched. Actually, it launched a little bit before, but, you know, IBC hasn't launched fully yet. So this is where I'm very curious. Like, are there any things that you know are going to actually happen this quarter that are something for us to pay attention to um, in Blockchain and crypto and zero knowledge.
2: Something that I I think will be interesting to look at. Um, and and you know full disclosure, I I advise these folks a little bit. But I think that it's very likely that the Mina mainnet is going to launch, and that I think will be a very interesting test of. Uh, well, it's going to be an interesting test for a number of reasons, but the biggest one I think is is really like the approach of using you know their approach to recursive uh recursive zero knowledge proofs uh to enable you know a, a more scalable blockchain of sorts and i think there you know that kind of is going to echo throughout a lot of different projects whether you're talking about like rollups as l2 or the stuff that's happening with halo uh, on on the zcash side like you're gonna you're gonna see more people approaching it it's it's cool to see but there's also like these i don't think it's it's the case that a lot of like the l2 Approaches are premature optimization, right? Like it's clear that that's sort of desperately needed mm-hmm. uh, in various places, but there is a question of like whether you know these these uh, sort of base layer scalability things for base layers that don't have as much usage or are brand new, whether that is a premature optimization to start.
0: Mm. What about you, Tarun? What are you? What's on your horizon for the quarter? The,
2: the interesting thing that I, I've been
3: thinking about, at least, and and this goes to Josh's point regarding like privacy you know, kind of we we saw all this growth in spite of the fact that we have piss poor privacy right now, which is like, what is the ImageNet moment for crypto? So if we look back like 10 years ago, the thing that caused kind of the boom in like AI stuff and facial recognition and eventually the surveillance capitalism stuff in general was ImageNet, which is like 2010, actually, when people realized that like you could throw more hardware at, neural nets and, like, actually classify people's cat versus their dog um, poop. Um, And so, uh, you know, like, basically, like, ImageNet set off this huge kind of boom. And that boom came from the fact that people actually, like, saw how this could be useful in practice. And, like, it set off this thing about, like, making good developer tools, making, like, good UX, like, hiding things from, like, uh, it's, it's shitty for privacy, but... Good UX is like Alexa, you know, anyone can use Alexa and they have to think about it, but it's actually doing all this stuff behind the scenes. So I kind of feel like the image that moment has got to be some combination of privacy plus, you know, I'll I'll call it DeFi in the sense of like it needs to have more operations than just transfer. Like it needs to have some notion of trading and he says some notion of borrowing. Hopefully this boom will like actually push us across the finish line on that and we'll have that moment.
0: Do you think, are there any projects that you've noticed like kind of happening right now that are doing that? Or is this something that you foresee for like the year, like a goal almost?
3: I think I've noticed a lot of zero knowledge researchers start looking into actual DeFi applications that are private, Mm -hmm. which I think like is to me, that's like the holy grail. Barry has been on a bunch of forums like writing about like, how do I make a zero like some like approximation to a zero knowledge version of of Uniswap. There are a lot of reasons you can't directly, but I've just like noticed there's the ZK folks who like sort of, we had the last wave funded a lot of the ZK innovation and we're kind of getting to like some of that in production. And, you know, James can of course talk about some of the, that stuff actually. But I I, I have noticed like a bunch of people starting to, to look more into DeFi and I, I think like that is the moment we kind of have this like, switch that Mm. really makes it useful. So I don't have a particular project. Like it's some combination of like Aleo, Aztec, maybe Starkware. I don't know. Starkware is doing too many things. It's like really hard to say. Do you
0: think Barry's post in a way was seen as a challenge to some of the ZK folks? Because it was it was pretty much saying you can't do it. Right. Like it's DeFi and privacy. Don't mesh in a way, at least in this particular example. And I know I know of at least two projects that are trying to do something in that direction using zero knowledge proofs and privacy,
3: yeah, I think it just says you can't do something as simple, yeah, it doesn't say you can't do it at all. It just says that like something that is really gas efficient, which is the real reason uniswap is is good, is like it's just like simple compared to to like a real exchange yeah uh is is hard, but i I don't think he, there's like an impossibility theorem. But to me, I think that's like, that's the thing I think there's an image at moment for. And okay. so I don't have any particular projects. You know, I can tell you all the DeFi projects, because I think they're doing a ton of new stuff, but they're not going to be the thing I think that actually crosses the chasm. I think like you actually do need private versions of these for it to be like useful.
1: Um, To to kind of Turin's point, there's no impossibility theorem for all of this stuff, but we can make it for like a f- Uh, a bunch of specific applications like if you're trying to trade uh, you can't keep the current market price private uh, because no one will trade if they don't know what the market price is Uh, there have to be like some kind of bounds on that there has to be some way you can query and know what trade you're going to be making before dispatching your trade uh, so there's a lot of these like additional constraints on any DeFi application with privacy. There's a bunch of things you can't do and a bunch of things that get much harder, uh, but there, there's no reason to believe that it's all impossible.
2: Well, I was, I was just wondering, cause like, I, I think there is this motivation. Uh, there's clearly like a, a motivated interest, I think from people like us that see a need for that kind of privacy uh, embedded in DeFi applications. Like, cause I don't know that it's, if it's just a bunch of like very nerdy people who want it. Uh, I mean, the main example I I have here from my own experience is just how, just how hard it was to get people to use the super efficient Zcash, you know, privacy features. There wasn't as much priority in, in the Zcash ecosystem to push people to shielded Adoption, as I think that there you know should have been, and and I I mean there uh, there are other things at play there, but I can kind of I could imagine something similar happening when you have like Uniswap that's super gas efficient, and then you might have some other uh, cool decks private that one. manages to yeah private one, but it's like oh it's going to cost ten x gas to do it. Am I going to really does it matter to me? You know, mm-hmm. and and I I don't I don't know. Um, I I can see like very large you know, very on-chain hedge fund types wanting that that privacy. But I don't know that it's going to trickle down to average users if it winds up costing more. But anyway, that, that all of which to say, I'm, I'm just sort of curious, like, do you think that there will be a push from protocol developers to figure out ways to encourage that to be the default? Uh, is there going to be like a UX narrative push to try and get people behind it or uh, something else?
0: Or maybe something from the actual like from the business side that like actually forces it.
1: Uh, I think it's a really interesting question because one of the uh, outcomes we've seen from like all of this DeFi summer and yield farming craze is that the blockchain itself does not really trickle down to the average user Uh, with Even a moderate amount of usage like we're seeing, the gas prices are too high for normal people to take advantage of all of this yield farming and the returns. Mm -hmm. And this fact is what kind of drove the development of YFI and Harvest and all of these kind of vault things that batch hundreds or thousands of users uh, into single fee payments. But you can't do that effectively with privacy. There's no like good design for a what y- private YFI vault yet.
0: And is there a demand for it? It's kind of the question. If
1: uh, if people can make money using it, one of the huge drivers for privacy in traditional markets is making money. Unsurprisingly.
3: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think that when I when when you're saying kind of like from the business side, I think these protocols need to somehow have a much more concrete incentive to people producing privacy and spending resources on generating proofs or generating, like, contributing, like, hardware to doing that. And I think right now, if you look at most designs in, in privacy-preserving networks, it, it, there's not really something that truly actually, like, rewards the... uh people who actually have to spend the extra resources. And so in some sense, if you, if you actually were able to somehow implicitly or explicitly tax the whales to pay for privacy for the knaves and then somehow like promise the whales future inflation or something like some like I look, I'm not saying there is I have an answer, wow. but there, there has to be some way of like forcing kind of like, hey, look, you whales, you can like collect inflation, but... You can only collect it if you somehow are, to use James's favorite phrase, uh, if you're somehow providing privacy for the rubes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when have you said that, James?
1: <laughs> oh, I, uh, I've been using the word "rubes" a lot lately. Uh,
0: well, <laughs> what is a rube? I don't know this word. Uh,
1: this is a this is an, an old like uh, it used to mean redneck down where I come from in the south. Okay, uh, but these days it means like the target of a scam some naive person that you're going to go take money from uh and you know just like in 2017 i think a huge amount of the market this this uh cycle is driven by taking money from rubes
0: Hmm. a word a a word that i want to bring back and i actually have been using it all week is (laughs) calling someone a yahoo I don't know if you know it used to mean something other than a search what? engine.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually I don't what it, what was the meaning so of it yahoo? Means a I know noisy,
0: rude. Rude or well, yeah, something per- like it's a it's a obnoxious person. See, it's, it's a group of yahoos. I feel like old men used that term like in the 80s or something. But then they turned it into a search engine and we lost it to, you know, <laughs> to the world. Um, another thing that is, and I'm curious, you, one of, one of you might know a bit more about what's going on with that, but like last year, like Libra was like on the radar of everyone. Like it's going to happen. <laughs> oh no. Oh yay.
2: Libra yeah. now, Deem.
0: Okay. So Libra is no longer Libra's Libra. is no longer our best friend. Libra is DiEM. What's up with the project? Is it happening this year? Does anyone know?
3: Uh, Probably not. Probably not. Seems unlikely. I, yeah, yeah I, I I would say the attrition personnel wise seems to be high. That would be the main thing I would point out. All right.
0: Yeah. There was also a project that we. It was actually one of the first projects that I ever. I think that I we ever did a deep technical dive on, and that was Definity three years ago. Ooh. What's going they, on with Definity?
1: They want launch, they launched this week.
0: Mainnet. Really? Oh.
3: They,
1: they uh they put scare quotes around the word mainnet in their own blog title.
0: In the zk context, the zero knowledge roll, roll up rollouts like have been happening. Is do we know if is there anything coming up?
1: Uh, Zcash just pre announced the announcement of their uh, new proving system.
0: Okay, this is the ha- one based on Halo.
1: I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: There is, in terms of the roll up world, though. I know, like Hermes should be. I mean, I know that there is a trusted setup going on. I think for them as well right now. That I want to. Potentially participate in, and that would be another L2 zk rollup coming online yeah. uh, soonish. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think: are there any other projects like on the L2 zk side that we think that that are like coming? I'm kind of thinking of some of the previous guests and stuff.
1: There's a uh, there's going to be a major upgrade to zk sync at some point, but I'm not sure if it's scheduled yet. Okay, you mean the addition of their token? um <gasps> i'm sure that's that gonna true? happen but uh um they're they're looking to add some uh like scripting or smart contract functionality
3: yeah i i, I am actually pretty excited though about the case uh-huh. about the token so it looks... no, no no the code i mean <laughs> the token i don't really understand why like at the end of the day this goes back to the thing i was saying earlier I, I, it was like, if we could somehow make the whales subsidize privacy, then like that's like the ideal privacy token. But I have yet to
1: see anything that looks like
3: that.
0: Mm. Uh, what do you think of the uh,
1: Tornado Cash token? Uh,
3: I, I guess mixers are a little bit like that in the sense that like the whales are contributing. At least if they're contributing the most liquidity, mm-hmm. it's it, mixers make a little more sense for this than zk stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Although there is this weird thing with um like for instance like nim has a token for for their mixer but there's something weird about it because if the distribution of the token gets really concentrated you can identify who the main mixers are
0: oh my gosh true
3: nim is the uh mixnet one right yeah which is like really there's like some trade off like someone actually does have to quantify this trade off of like if it's too concentrated you actually can never really have too much privacy, and this gets wow. to what Josh is talking about. Like, there, there, the, 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 there's some trade off surface, but I do really think that somehow you got to get the whales to subsidize privacy for the rubes. But
0: like, but that idea that like by participating a lot in the network and then being rewarded after the fact with these governance tokens, kind of the model that was popularized by Uniswap, that potentially that would actually undermine a private system because then the somehow the identity of the most active users would be revealed by the balances in the in the wallets. Unless those two were done in private setting, I guess.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the UX is also annoying because you would basically be forcing the users to constantly be splitting their assets if you're going to try to like make it look like it's not concentrated. But then they're paying fees for that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> A question to all of you, and this is another kind of topic for this is a little bit thinking more about this podcast and actually any listeners who have additional ideas please do get in touch about this but it's it's ideas that you personally want to explore this year things that are exciting to you well uh, you know
1: i mentioned this earlier i'm really interested in all of the kind of user and fee batching and pooling that's going on recently uh, so a lot of these, like, DeFi projects are pooling users and splitting up the pool to get the highest return for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that kind of model can have a bunch of applications. Um, so maybe trying to at the lowest interest rate on borrowing for a large pool of users um, or, you know, kind of other things in that area. This way that we're saying, okay the layer one is not scaling. It doesn't serve all users' needs. So we're providing a way to batch users and fill all of their needs together. And that's more efficient for everyone.
0: Yeah. And I guess examples, like, would you put ZK rollups in that category? Or would you think more on the, like, DeFi, Yearn, kind of?
1: Uh, you know, I've been thinking more about the DeFi, Yearn, Harvest kind of thing. But okay. uh you know, rollups also fit that bill. Is you're letting users opt into this other system with different trust assumptions um, mm-hmm. in order to get group benefits. Rollups also do this nice thing where they uh, allow people who aren't part of that system to avoid paying for it.
0: What about you, Tarun? What's in your mind? What are the ideas that you want to explore?
1: Well,
3: I guess I, 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 uh, as they would say, alpha leaked to my my top thing I wrote in my little notes, which was how do you finance privacy? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: alpha leaked it earlier in the show. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's not not a big wide uh, alpha there, is there? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, exactly. Um, I think like kind of a, a, a related question uh, to, to what James was thinking about. It's something that I started thinking about like around SBC with some people I met at Stanford, and then of course, the world blew up, and then like somehow i it, it got lost in March and like i I don't know if it's coming back, but was is kind of like pre yearn there there was this idea of like, okay, if layer twos that are optimistic or like not zk force validators to place collateral and then they're validating many people's transactions, they're effectively doing the same. Uh, batching thing, right? Like everyone who's using the layer two, all their transactions are getting approved by the layer one in a batch, like on every little like infrequent write to the main chain. Whether it's during a challenge or whether or not, right? There's some way you can view that like validator mainchain interaction mm. as batching all the layer two users. And and so the question was like, what does the transaction fee market look like when you, if you say like X percent of transactions are layer two, and you vary X from zero to a hundred, like at some point when it's all layer twos, it's like the competition is quite different versus like it all being individual users, um, and so that that was like kind of something I was thinking a lot about because the zero knowledge proof generation market is quite different, and I couldn't exactly put my like, we couldn't put our finger on exactly why, but there's some, like, quantitative difference between batching many Layer 2s competing for block space versus, like, ZKP roll-ups.
0: But, but it is an L2. Like, wouldn't it also need to be batched in what you described? Like, it's, it's just one of what is batched, no?
3: It is, but the security model is weird. Like, theoretically, it really doesn't even need a token. It, like, could just be someone relaying a single ZKP for, mm. so, like, Uh, sequence of state updates versus like optimistic style stuff you actually have to lock up collateral almost in the same way that when you deposit to urine you've given them your collateral
0: Ah, okay okay Mm -hmm.
3: so like there's like less of this like Ah. finance game and more of like a like timing game and so like somehow quantifying that spectrum and that includes these urine type of things there's kind of this like you know simplex Mm -hmm. triangle of like these three things and i don't know exactly how you describe them but there's probably some way to describe all three of them and each of them are limits Mm. of like that so anyway i was thinking i was thinking a little about that in march but then kind of got wrecked and so maybe now i'll think about it again
2: (laughs) in a sense like in that in that framing it would make a lot of the l2 collateral lockups competing with the staking lockups for l1 in in those systems which would is that sort of what you're Uh, alluding to turin that there would be this like new unknown currently unknown equilibria between those economic actors Mm. or is it something else
3: yeah yeah it's exactly that it's that plus if you add in something like a yearn yeah and it's like i have the same capital
1: that's theoretically fungible over all three how do i allocate to it Mm. um there's a bunch of like really non-obvious engineering details around this too that are going to come into play uh so like for an example, a ZK rollup that can't pay for layer 1 gas just stops making new blocks. An optimistic rollup that can't pay for layer one gas uh, probably gets everything stolen after a while. Hmm. And uh, you know a kind of yearn or vault-like thing that can't pay for uh, gas, the funds are tied up and uh, getting a suboptimal rate. I mean, also,
3: actually, if, if they're levered, it, there's potentially losses. Oh, yeah. Right. If so, they're levered,
1: there's mm. huge losses, potentially. Right.
0: This is a topic. Is there any project or anyone that you think is actually working on this right now? Like, have...
1: Oh, I mean,
3: I did say it was something I was thinking. <laughs> no, true,
0: true, true, But I'm wondering, there's no project, right? You don't know of anyone who's actually doing anything like this. Do you?
3: I think we, got, we have to see a couple more of these things come online. I, I think DeFi, the DeFi data actually is the best data set for trying to predict this okay. stuff. Because, you know, we had urine and it grew. And then there was like a million copy pasta clones. And the layer two wars are probably going to look kind of similar. Wow. It's just that because there's so much engineering effort, we don't think of like, we don't think of like off-chain labs as a copy pasta version of optimism, but to validators, to miners, economically, they're, they're, they're just, you know. Wow. Auction bidders who are all competing with each other. And so like, it's this harvest versus urine versus like Rari versus like, I, I mean, there's like 500 of these things. They're yeah. not even named after food anymore. So it's hard to <laughs> just call them food coins. I know it's terrible. <laughs> Go
1: back to food.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Food was easy. Yeah. <laughs> I could just say They ran out of food <laughs> emojis, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> That's fa- I I I keep I mean and and I don't understand that that realm nearly is not even in the same magnitude the way that that Tyrone you and you and James do. But I um but it does like w- the way that you start to describe it, my head just m- immediately starts wandering into oh god this is an overly complex system where no <laughs> one has full visibility into what's going on and there is going to be some catastrophic tail event mm. at some point point. and i just that's just what winds up it's just like big you know red alarm bells without any real like i, I can't back that up you know beyond just gut feeling but that's mm. what it feels like right
1: uh, are we going to see the rise of systemically important food coins? <laughs> um. I,
3: I I will say another thing you're seeing a lot of is insurance funds um, in DeFi protocols. And I mm. think Layer 2s... Okay, this is a crazy prediction because all the Layer 2s are very, like... They're all fighting with each other, like, psyops-wise for m- Mindshare. But I think they're going to actually have to pull together an insurance fund. like all Like, for the reasons... James is mentioning they're basically like they're going to realize it's cheaper for them to socialize an insurance fund over multiple layer 2s for potentially losing block space versus like trying to always compete against each other. Wow. Yeah.
0: How many insurance funds are there? I am only aware of like one, I think. But are there quite a few now?
3: Uh I so like each DeFi protocol that has leverage right now basically has one. Yeah. So like okay. Aave and Synthetix have it explicitly.
0: Like internally they have their own or the, do they outsource that like is it is it within their protocol they have it's in the protocol when you say when you say insurance fund you mean like a pool of funds for insur- in insurance yeah okay yeah. not like an insure like an external insurance broker okay. uh,
1: the the same way that uh there's the safu fund or whatever
3: or like the bitmex insurance yeah, fund yeah yeah okay. exactly got it yeah like an on-chain visible insurance fund. So, so to Josh's point, there is a little more transparency to these insurance events versus like financial crisis where I, I think like one kind of benefit of the current technology is in the financial crisis, all these homes were underwater in like 2005 or six. But like it takes forever for like the mortgage payment person to like not yeah. collect, like maybe they didn't collect for six months and then they have to go tell the person above them and there's this whole bureaucracy that made it not clear. Whereas in DeFi, if everything collapses, it's like oh, it collapses in like five transactions, right? It's like, so at least, awesome, it's, you know, you get the, it, like the, in, the market, the market gets the information faster rather than like having these kind of like actors who are kind of taking forever to mm. figure out whether they want to tell the world everything's blowing up or not.
1: Yeah you know, the the root of that problem is all of this hidden information in the bureaucracy. Is you have the mortgage which has been sold to someone else, and some you know a third party is collecting the payments, and it takes time for information to like become public through that process. Whereas if it's happening on chain, it is immediately public exactly when you miss your payment. Uh, All we need is people watching for that information they have access to it, whereas previously they didn't.
3: Mm. On purpose.
1: It was like purposefully obfuscated. It was obfuscated so that they could create these incredibly profitable instruments.
0: Yeah. I wanted to share one of the new ideas that I want to explore, which was, this is is something I actually will hopefully find a way to explore on this podcast, but it's um, the ZK game episode I found just really fun to do and that project I find super fun. And it's, this is like moving a little bit maybe even away from blockchain necessarily but it's this idea of zero knowledge procedural generation and the fog of war and that the connection between those things and and where zero knowledge proofs could potentially actually lead to a decentralized gaming experience without a, like no need for a central server and yet a kind of a trusted truth and maybe you do need a blockchain in there but i'm not sure like i think the most exciting part here is that idea that the zero knowledge could provide the privacy to the fog of war, but having like truth be underneath it and shared truth among different participants. Um, so that's a, that's a just a topic that I am curious about and want to explore. I don't know if you have any ideas for people who I should invite on. I mean, I think ZK, the folks that did ZK game are awesome, but I would love to see more people doing zero knowledge proof or to to be playing with zero knowledge proofs in games. So I mu- I was thinking even of like inviting some game expert and seeing if I could convince them <laughs> to use it or like getting some ZK expert and a game person together so that they can like start to brainstorm that. That was one of my to-dos this year and things that I'm thinking about. Another one that I'm thinking about uh, exploring further is the flashbots and MEV stuff.
1: Oh, I was uh, going to bring this up. Perfect. Um- one of, the, one of the things I'm kind of excited about is accelerationism like that. You know, the goal of Flashbots is to kind of accelerate this MEV system so that we don't build up a huge DeFi infrastructure, assuming miners are your friends, so that we start designing much earlier for the adversarial world that we will eventually end up with. You know, this kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier about this equilibrium developing between on-chain vaults, zk rollups, os- optimistic rollups, and yeah. other end-state chain users is we should probably be trying as much as possible to accelerate these things, get there faster, so that it is less of a uh, shock
0: when it happens, when you find out about it. Yeah, because <laughs> it had been happening for a while, right? But like it was just more recently where it was discovered but, how bad it was. Well, um,
1: I think the the thing that brought it to most people's attention was the. Uh, Phil Dan's paper from, oh, I, I want to say it's like yeah, it's actually two thousand seventeen. Oh yeah. Oh my 18? god. Yeah. It's been so long. Flash Boys was the Flash paper, Boys yeah. two point Yeah.
3: We're old, James. It's okay. We're we're just just get just
2: get, just used, to get used
1: to it. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
2: We're ancient. Um,
1: so it's uh it's really great to kind of see a concrete accelerationist project for that. Um and the work like Georgios has been doing on MEV Geth is really interesting.
3: I think the only thing I was I would add to that is there's a there's a, a fallacy that I think other chains may run into, which is that they may try to over optimize for this before they have usage. And I actually think you should there's this you should be accelerationist, like assume it's gonna happen, but you shouldn't do it cart before the horse style before you have any transactions, because mm. you're just gonna make the UX terrible for your end users mm-hmm.
0: is like is is the flashbots actually i haven't talked with them so i don't know what the exact project is but is that like a research project or is that like designing new l1s to not have this is it's it, a
3: revenue sharing model with miners and transaction submitters
0: but so it, it would it's, need it's to thing. be implemented into a oh no no it is like it doesn't exist
1: it does exist it is implemented it is is it an uh, l1 uh no no, no um this is a modified version of Geth. So it's an Ethereum full node software for uh, miners. yeah, okay. And okay, what okay. it does is it accepts transactions without transaction fees, checks if the transaction will pay the miner, and then mm-hmm. executes them if it does. Uh, there's a lot you know, like more complexity there and a lot of interesting things you can do with it. But essentially, you know, what it's doing is it's checking transactions for MEV and optimizing based on MEV. And it's a normal Ethereum node that runs on the network today, and at least one pool is running.
0: And so, okay, so if a mining pool uses this node software, then it is actually already implemented. Yeah. But it's not Um, a hard fork, and it's not through, it didn't have to do any of the Ethereum governance stuff.
1: Yeah, it's not a hard fork. It's not a change to Ethereum. Uh, It is a change to the software to recognize this extractable value and extract it. Interesting. And then do a revenue share between the
3: submitter and the miner. Cool. But this has already existed in Bitcoin land forever. Like transaction acceleration yeah. has sort of like, I mean, I don't mean to disabuse the kind of idealist notion that, oh, like miners, non-consensus part things, they have, of course they follow whatever Bitcoin Core does. Absolutely not. Right. Like, like the mempool in transaction ordering is kind of the the thing in general that like is never in consensus because too expensive to ever be in consensus. I, I just don't, mm. until we have some crazy ZK world where I can ZK snapshot my mempool ordering as I get
1: transactions or something, there's really no way that you're ever going to put that in. And there, There's a really intuitive way to say that, which is the mempool is what you're going to come to consensus on. If you want to come to consensus on the mempool, you need a mempool mempool to do that. <laughs> and it's turtles all yes. the way down.
0: Yes. <laughs> All right. I want to continue on with some of the topics that I wanted to cover in this. And this is a I, there was basically three three terms I threw out to you kind of in some notes in preparation for this. It was the highest potential. So that's like highest potential outcome this year in zero knowledge, blockchain, whatever in that category. Highest potential stretch dream, something that could happen, but it would be unlikely, but might be interesting or awesome. And then, what black swan possibility do you think people might want to look out for? So, let's start with highest potential. This is a, this could be kind of anything. Josh, do you have do you have a, a highest potential idea? What I
2: think would be interesting to see as something that would be the most like the highest value that we could all bring this year or see this year is if actually like that some of those chains that are built with like, uh, you know, the multi-blockchain blockchains that allow a great deal of interoperability actually, uh, have some privacy focused chains Mm -hmm. on them. Um, and that it kind of, that the, the inclusion of that might accelerate more, uh, private versions of of DeFi, maybe not in the way that we were talking about earlier but you know a lot of that is like it's incumbent on the you know those those chains launching and being successful and getting enough usage and uh to be to be meaningful um but yeah i don't i i i would love to see that i don't know if it's gonna happen um but yeah i like craziest low probability event that could happen is just you know uh, we follow the same cycle as the rainbow chart predicts and all yeah. assets rise in tandem and we wind up with a 10 trillion dollar market cap yeah. for this funny money <laughs> that we all have should um, that
0: be is that your stretch dream
2: yeah why not sure <laughs> i want to i just want to see what all of uh, like people there are a lot of I, you know just to be blunt there are a lot of terrible people in our industry but there are a lot of like really wonderful people who uh, I think th- would do amazing things with life-changing cha- wealth, and I would love to see what they do. Cool. Um, so that would be that would be great. Nice. Uh, and then Black Swan oh, is wait, like. Wait,
0: wait, actually, oh, hold your Black Swan. Let's. I want to do everyone's highest potential sure. stretch dream, and then I'm we'll sorry, go into the I was darkness. doing them
2: all seriously. My <laughs> yeah. my bad. No
0: worries. No, I to I'm just changing course as we're going through it. Yeah. Tarun, what's your highest highest potential likely thing to happen, and a stretch dream?
3: Um. The highest likelihood is uh, the gentrification of Ethereum <gasps> um, due to layer two. All twos. the
0: normies move in.
3: No, no, no. As in, like all, <laughs> the product, some product, the protocols start clustering to different layer twos, and you in this fragmented ecosystem, it's like you have the DeFi layer two neighborhood, which is like the you know upper crust neighborhood. Oh. You have the like Crypto Kitties NFT neighborhood, which is kind of like trying to be cool, but it's kind of like. Is it like LA? You know, it's like Williamsburg. Right? It's, like, it's like, yeah, it's
1: like, like
3: it's like, it, it like once was cool, but it kind of just is filled with sycophants who don't realize they're. Uh, and then you have the like, you know, the remainder, which is, I don't know, just different, different, different neighborhoods. Interesting. So. Yeah. I feel like the layer twos are basically turning a single chain into a city.
0: Okay. What's hmm. your stretch dream? This would be like, crazy shit that could happen that would be kind of awesome uh
3: private decks
0: that you think of that as a stretch dream and not a possibility
3: i think a lot of the people who are doing it are very smart but i also think that you kind of need to you need to have a little bit of the delusion that you've already solved the problem before you realize all the pitfalls
0: oh <laughs> yeah. okay james throwing the ball to you you know kind of in the
1: same vein as Tarun, I thing i'm excited about and think is likely to happen is a bit of uh, this disaggregation of DeFi and all of the Ethereum Layer 1 stuff. Um, We had Compound announce their app chain. Uh, We're having these Layer 2s come online that won't be directly interoperable and composable the way layer one is Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to have to kind of completely change the way we think about dApps and DeFi and the way they all fit together to account for this and I think it's going to be really fun and interesting Mm. Uh, the stretch goal that I, I think won't happen in the time frame is a cheap simple standard for connecting these layers Uh, I think that we're going to have a bunch of bespoke bridges that don't work together with no standards around them for the foreseeable future. Uh, And we're going to have all of these bridges to Ethereum, which is an extremely inefficient, bad environment for running a bridge. And a huge amount of effort and resources is going to be spent bridging to Ethereum, Uh, unfortunately. I'm excited for this to be called Project Tacoma Narrows. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I, I think my, I'm predicting disaggregation. And what I would like to see is uh, efficient connections between all of these different neighborhoods in the city. Uh, but I don't think it's likely oh. that we build a good subway system anytime soon.
0: All right, let's now talk about black swans. Bom, bom, bom. Bom, bom, bom. I think the whole, the definition of a black swan is like, you're not supposed to be able to predict it. Or something, right? It's, it's the most unlikely bad thing. It's something
1: we all pretend is impossible.
0: So, what do you what do you have in mind as a black swan? A nation state attack. Ooh, mm. on a chain. Because, like,
3: yeah. Because I feel like everyone's kind of getting complacent now. They're like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, PayPal is buying an, a ton of Bitcoin, and GBTC is buying a ton of Bitcoin, and like, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. At some point, I feel like on on the march to to to. 10 trillion i guess is 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 eventually you know surpassing the gdp's of germany and france so you know it starts to seem a little bit like hmm yeah. i think there might be uh some 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 likelihood for that the other two things i think that are black sounds, at the end of the moore's law for zero knowledge proof stuff whether if you, you think of it in terms of pure algorithmic or whether it's like in terms of the coding like the actual implementations um kind of like if that peter's out and we kind of are stuck with what we have. And the last thing is uh the 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 ultra rug pull which is like somehow defi collapses due to like insurance cascades, oracle failure. And you know, as much as I love how uh, how, how how chainlink has somehow vacuumed researchers like in a way that I've I'm kind of still. No shocked one could at have how, how, how many people. No one predicted that like two years ago. Um, if Chainlink somehow fails, there's a lot of a lot of blood in the streets, or a lot of blood in the layer two, whatever. You know, I don't know wow. what's what's the equivalent of street blood in the blocks. <laughs> blood in the
0: chains. Blood in the mempool. I don't know.
3: <laughs> blood in the mempool already is being splattered. <laughs> okay. I mean, the mempool, yeah. the mempool,
1: mempool is like you know Fight Club. James Black Swan events Um, so Tarun brought up nation state attacks Uh, you know back when I started working on this everyone was afraid of FinCEN this was back in like 2013, 2014 we've gone through phases where everyone's afraid of the SEC and everyone's afraid of the CFTC and now we're kind of back to FinCEN and the SEC I think that you know a black swan could be a new administration with a aggressive regulation policy. I don't think that's very likely, but it would kind of knock the wind out of the sails for most of DeFi. What what we saw like last cycle was this innovation in token sales. We, we saw a bunch of different models of token sales of like direct uh, on-chain smart contract sales moving into these long-term auctions, moving into SAFTs and other off-chain instruments. We, we saw like a lot of experimentation around how do we sell these tokens directly to customers? What we're seeing this cycle is a lot of in- innovation around airdrops, is how do we distribute these tokens without doing a sale? Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, one of the other black swans I have in mind is that we kind of settle on this like standard for distribution that is retrospective, and it causes a lot of uh, problematic and unhealthy behavior that attracts attention or attracts
0: regulators. Interesting. Yeah, there's one new mechanism that I just recently learned about for that I mean, I think it goes into this category, but it's like these work locks, air, mm-hmm. like the lock drops. There's uh, on the Kusama network, there's a, I think this changes name sometimes, but it's like the crowd loan <laughs> because you have to secure parachain slots with a certain amount of KSM and participants could help you. Uh, the progression
1: from, you know, these uh, work locks and lock drops and stake drops and uh through like the uh, SNX rewards contracts and the WIFI rewards has really been like this fascinating amount of experimentation with how can we unfairly distribute tokens and call it a fair distribution <laughs> um you know and we've seen some amazing innovation on that out of the merkle drops and the retrospective distributions and Uh, i think we're gonna keep seeing innovation until some sort of black swan happens
0: all right all right josh what's your black swan
2: well i was uh i was actually going to approach it from the regulatory side as well um but the the specific just to get to drill down and maybe suggest another horrifying scenario involving privacy is that uh, let's say something maybe not the current fincen rules uh, but other rules like it pass And all of a sudden, every single centralized exchange is required to basically document the second or even third order uh, and and acquire those people's identity. Um, The the big maybe black swan there that I think could have tremendous negative impact is not so much that they're doing that data collection, but that the data collection itself, because let's get real, uh, if it's done by... Banks and exchanges. What are the track records of banks and exchanges at securing this kind of data? It's not great, mm-hmm. and um, I, I like can foresee if if there's ever any kind of hack that doesn't actually result in uh, people losing monetary value, but instead results in like a complete
0: data release, uh, or wow.
2: yeah, a complete data release of of all of these, and effectively fills in the gaps. And makes it possible for anyone to be you know chain analysis for a minute mm. i I don't know i I, I kind of worry like if that if that happens and then all of that becomes very very public, I think that people will will there, there will be this illusion that people had about the privacy of these systems that just gets shattered, even though we all know that it works it works that way now mm.
3: um, to, to take the uh to take the maybe uh, Leninist view on this. Maybe you need that to actually have the revolution.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is totally fair. Actually. I mean, that's the other, that is the silver lining of that black swan is like, okay, well, all this is out. Why were we not building these systems with this in mind to begin with? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, uh, that, yeah, I think that's like, that's my, the craziest. Oh, and the other one, of course, being like on the nation state side, uh, what if there's, what if there's some sweet quantum computer somewhere that, someone's running and just decides to like spend all the early bitcoin what would that do i just i, I want to ki- i kind of want to yeah. see that i guess uh happen um even
1: you know a non-nation nation state just satoshi showing up again with all this bitcoin would be a pretty yeah. interesting black swan <laughs> hasn't happened yet, yet though
0: whoa yeah. <laughs> yeah when i thought of black swans it's interesting mine mine was much more focused on like the narrative crashing and crumbling and burning which would be
1: perfectly predictable you know that's 100 it's gonna happen (laughs) happen
0: anyway (laughs) but it's the idea that like some you know like in a polarized place some side gravitates so heavily to this technology that it becomes a virtuous thing to really try to stamp it out across the world that like governments across the world agree that this is a not only is it you know, dangerous to the infrastructure, but it's run by dangerous people. And I know there's hints of that, obviously, but so far it's it's been, you know, it's it's a it's a wide range of people who are part of it. There's a lot of different actors, kinds of, you know, politically it's very broad, but my my concern, or this is like a black swan, is that it becomes too much associated with one of the the sides or quadrants or what have you. Um I hope it continues to be something that people are open to and not that it becomes sort of a close like the world closes their mind to it.
3: Actually, I want to add one positive uh more positive black swan because I feel like we're all focusing on like the nation state one, but I think there's a lot of people who are are in the neck this year in particular, but between this year and next year who have been extremely oppressed by technological progress. Um, People in like Xinjiang, uh, especially, I would say, COVID kind of actually made it significantly worse as far as we can tell in terms of like the like internment camps, like can't use money freely. Um, And I I actually feel like those people will drive usage for real life usage. Um, That's like a black swan that like the response to kind of the AI technocracy repression of like certain people actually leads to to like
2: real payment usage. Hmm. That would be awesome to see.
0: I think we've reached the I mean we've we've actually covered a lot of ground and we have some fantastic ideas to explore further in the coming episodes and um I do want to ask each of you just kind of a quick like if you wanna, I don't know if you have something to share, but what's what's next for you? Like you personally, what what are you excited about? What are you gonna do this quarter? Do you have any projects or anything you wanna? You can also shill. I shilled in the last ep, in the last uh, podcast episode, so I feel like now we now we can do that.
1: Now that Frederick's <laughs> gone, anything goes. Oh,
0: no, no rules. <laughs> yeah, everything. the shackles are off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be a crypto trading <laughs> podcast. Just wait, <laughs> <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> Alright, what what is new? What's next for you? Which one of you wants to start?
2: Josh, he's the mystery
0: man. Alright, what's next for you, Josh?
2: I get I guess it's just it's uh you know, I I I am I am taking it a little easier than I have in the past. And so I'm uh I'm advising a few folks um uh here or there, but the my actually my main output is I I, and I think I, I, I speak for a lot of people where I, I'm sort of disappointed with the quality of of troll uh, and and the lack of highbrow <laughs> satire ah. in our industry. Um, and so I I, I don't know I, I, I really love doing that as many of you who m- might follow the the twadcast on my Twitter account know. And really anyone fun who for me.
0: who saw you present uh, at ZCon one.
2: Oh yeah. With that the black turtleneck, full, yeah.
0: apple, full, full apple,
2: full apple gear. Yeah.
0: Just channeled Steve Jobs right there on stage. It was amazing. It was great. Oh yeah, and I just,
2: and I super shat on on Libra. It felt great. It was great. so funny. Was sort of an easy target, but yeah, that was uh, that was fun. That was fun. And I love doing that sort of stuff. That was very good. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great time. But I am going to be doing more of that in a long-form context and I'm I'm really, you know, my personal stretch goal Uh, Once I get that, that site out, um, uh, is going to be like trying to become a little bit more like a Matt Levine of the cryptocurrency industry. Uh, so that's my, that's my, that's my little project. Um, but yeah. Well, you
3: have text, like what media are you thinking?
2: So the media it's going to be, it's just going to be like a a real bare bones. I'm not even gonna use JavaScript, honestly. Uh, it's just going to be like text. Text uh, and and an audio file of my voice reading the text.
1: That's pretty much it. Uh, that's it. That's I all. Yes, yeah.
2: and it's you know an RSS feed, so you can plug it into your sub stack if you want. What year they're is doing it? RSS readers now. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the future is in the past. That's, uh, we just have to go back. Return can, everybody. Can we
1: get the Josh um, Cincinnati VR
2: experience? <laughs> oh, that's the future. That's V two. I'm going. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go from text and audio files into full VR. It's going full to be a bit immersive of a leaf. VR text. <laughs> full immersive, yeah, absolutely. It's just going to be like Microsoft Word art, but you need a Valve Index to see it properly.
0: <laughs> All right, throw to you, Tarun. What's next for you?
3: Uh, well, you know, working on building a product. Also, uh, really just, you know, I think I have a bunch of papers to write. But I, I feel like I do miss conferences, so um, i know. unfortunately, unfortunately, it has been less inspired lately. Do you want
0: to? Do you want I don't know if you've ever said anything about the product on the podcast. Do you want to say something about it?
3: Yeah, I mean, so we're we're building kind of like a, a prediction engine, risk engine for uh, DeFi protocols that we're calling automated governance. So what it does is we we read a bunch of on-chain data and market data, run simulations you know, every few minutes and then kind of make some prediction. And if, if some, like something is going wrong in your protocol, we'll submit a proposal uh, automatically. That's like, Hey, here's the statistical reasons. Like this thing is out of whack and here's the before and after. Uh, This is why we chose this parameter. Um, And then people can vote on it. And it would be like, like,
0: would it, would it provide the resolution to that issue as well? Like the exact change needed
3: yeah, yeah, I mean, it would generate the code. Okay. right? Like, it, it would generate like the solidity code needed to, to do that. And then it would basically submit it. Um, a, a lot of the changes aren't even actually deploying a new contract. A lot of them will be like, change the interest rate slope yeah. to 0.8 and look at the results for why. It's kind of like people aren't really monitoring this stuff, but, you know, if there's going to actually be this $10 trillion thing, then stretch dream. someone needs to actually like, pay attention to being the Fed black book or whatever.
1: So, Cool. Very us. cool.
0: All right, James, what's next for you?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of my time for the last few months has been spent uh, prepping for the upcoming Cello Hard Fork. So that's going to be out in March, and then I'll have a lot more free time and a little less stress. I think what, what I'm looking to work on for the next six months or more is trying to build that, you know, cross chain connection layer that I want to see in the world. We we have some like interesting designs for this and a new approach. And I think like we can make something compelling and try to get people to use it. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time working on that at Cello. Cool. Very cool. James, the ethical
3: Robert Moses
1: of the blockchain.
2: I want. I want to take that like 1950s, 1960s New York City analogy to the fullest. Yeah, you need to make a subway map of blockchains, Ooh. James.
3: You know, it needs to have that iconic subway map like feel.
1: You know, I, I think the one one of the nice things here is that I think I can maybe obsolete that pattern of these point to point connections and not need the subway map. I think that we have finally a good model for single producer, multi-consumer channels. So we, we could maybe like eliminate the need for that multi-hop subway transfer routing map.
2: Anna, what's what's next for you in 2021?
0: So I guess 2021, I actually spent some time over the last two weeks taking that week off, thinking about what this show can be like, what kind of ideas to pursue, what what formats to look at. Um, Going forward, I will be returning to a weekly. I think it's a really good routine for me. I will be inviting all three of you to be guest hosts on various episodes on various topics. Uh, There's also going to be a ZK podcast blog where it's hopefully I will actually write some of these, but we're also going to get really smart guest writers to start writing deeper, deep dives on some of the topics that are covered in the show or have been covered, we might also look back to some older episodes where, you know, we did this really great podcast, but then never produced anything else with it. And it actually could use some extra reference material and all of that. So we're going to be playing around with that. I have Alex Pruden, who's helping me on the blog, and he's going to be, you know, working with coordinating new authors and all of that. I love Alex. Yeah. And ZK the ZK Summit... Currently, I'm thinking of actually doing it one time per year and a bit later in the year, and hopefully when we can actually do it in person. But I also think there's something worthwhile in having us get together around these topics for sort of like more like in a meetup setting. Um, And so actually, I'm planning on doing a monthly ZK Sessions event, quote unquote, an online event, kind of like a meetup, kind of like a mini summit. And I want to do that. I want to kind of try to link that a little bit closer together with some of the podcast topics. It's, it's going to be a work in progress, like the blog. And so this will be sort of coming out regularly. The first few might be a little awkward because we don't know what they are yet. But um, yeah, that's the plan. And then that would lead up to a new ZK Summit. The ZK Summit has been awesome. And I did two online ones last time. But I like it, you know, it, the online is, it doesn't quite. Get that feeling of the in person, and it's sort of heartbreaking in a way because everyone's there and you want to chat with everyone in the way you would have normally done in an, in a live event, but you can't, and so that's why I'm going to push that back a little bit. I also think that online events, like we, I did two days of six hours, which was like a lot, and I think a three hour once a month might be a little bit. Easier. We can all get together and stuff like that. So look out for those. I'm actually going to re- be releasing a blog post with like the whole spectrum of things that we're going to do around the podcast, but I'm pretty excited about it. I feel like this year, like I want to be a little bit more thoughtful in the programming and work a little bit more on having series, like, you know, episodes that really grow off the other ones, like our previous ones. So that's the current plan. I am so excited that you all came on this first episode of the year with me. Really looking forward to, uh, yeah, like co-hosting and yeah, likewise digging into new topics yeah. with you.
2: No, I'm just I'm I'm tremendously excited this year, uh, just for it being not just a new year and it not being 2020, but also for Zero Knowledge in particular, um, uh, and, and Zero Knowledge, uh, the podcast as well as the research, uh, uh, space. But uh, I'm 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 excited to to help where I can too. So. Thank, thank you, thank you for hosting and having all of us on Anna. Cool.
3: Would be remiss without giving you at least one dumb math fact, which is twenty twenty one is is a is a is a is it has a nice quadratic structure as it's prime factorized as forty three times forty seven. <laughs> Ooh.
0: Very nice.
3: Forty five plus two times forty five minus two. So <gasps> if you've ever had to go to interviews where they ask you to multiply numbers, that one is a, it's a nice fit.
0: We'll never forget that twenty twenty one
1: beautiful well uh i'm i'm really excited to be you know part of the show more often this year uh and i also have a math fact which is that uh seven is not divisible by three wish it was
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so thank you all again for joining for this first episode of the year and to our listeners thanks for listening